global aviation industry convenes in person for the first time in two years in Boston next week. And it seems as if it's reorganized itself after the pandemic around those who fly, work, and lead. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. If you like this show, please do subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your audio content. With me is co-host and The National's future editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Mustafa. So we're talking about aviation in your hometown. Aviation in my hometown. And honestly, a bit proud that it's in my hometown because it was an event that got pushed back a couple of times, Delta variant pandemic, and just the handling by the state of Massachusetts of COVID-19 a big mask wearing. It's a relatively safe place to host an event these days. Um, but also aviation, we've been seeing just a slew of headlines the last couple of weeks around shape of recovery and also a bit of a tonal change from leadership around sustainability as we all wake up post-UN climate report. The window is closing to address climate change. So they are really starting to set concrete targets around fuel and bringing down carbon emissions. Attending that IATA summit in Boston is uh, the National's aviation correspondent, Dina Kamil. We talked to her about what we could expect and some of the trends that are going on right now. Let's listen to that now. Dina, thanks for being with us. Uh, Thanks so much for having me here today. Excited to be here. So your big trip next week um, to the IATA annual general meeting and World Transport Summit in Boston, where the industry is going to gather Maybe you can share a little bit of the significance of what it actually means to, for that you're going to be there and all the chief executives and industry chiefs will be there too in person in one place for the first time in perhaps two years. This is going to be a really exciting event uh, for the aviation industry. Um, it's going to be their first live event since June 2019, uh, which was in South Korea in 2020, because of, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic, they moved the event uh, online. It was then supposed to happen earlier this year in, in summer, but was again postponed because of the various COVID variants. And now finally, the IATA annual general meeting and the World Air Transport Summit is going to take place in Boston, as you said. This is a gathering, huge gathering, uh, of industry leaders. You know, there's going to be more than 100 airline CEOs convening. There's going to be, from, from all parts of the world, Middle East and Africa, Europe, uh, US, Asia Pacific, we're talking about also regional leaders such as Sir Tim Clark, the head of Emirates Airlines, and um, Mr. Tony Douglas, the um, uh, group CEO of Etihad Airways, for example. There's also going to be uh, a big representation from aircraft manufacturers who are eager to talk to their airline customers. So you have the likes of um, Mr. Guillaume Fowry, um, the CEO of Airbus, is going to be joining. And of course, Boeing will be represented by, among others, Mr. Stanley Deal, the um, CEO of Boeing Commercial. Dina, you must be just chomping at the bit to, I mean, you've been covering aviation now kind of on the sidelines. You'll be getting on a plane for the first time in, I would imagine, about 18 months. What are your questions for these CEOs, leaders of the aviation industry? What is like top of your reporter's notebook right now? Who do you want to talk to? What do you want to know? Ironically, for me as an aviation reporter, it's going to be my first time on a plane um, 
in two years since since COVID hit. So I'm really interested to see how the things that I've been, uh, you know, covering actually play out on the ground. Um, and really, the, the the main the main themes uh, that I'm looking to explore um, while I'm there are essentially looking at the shape and the pace um, of the COVID-19 uh, recovery uh, after the, the last couple of years that the industry has had. What is that going to look like? Because remember, you know, we are seeing an, a, a recovery in, in the global economy, but that has been a very uneven um, recovery because various countries have had uh, sort of uneven access to uh, COVID-19 vaccines. Um, and it will be interesting to see how that plays out in terms of uh, different geographies, um, aviation industries recovery. So I'm, I'm looking at the path of recovery, what that will look like. We're looking at also the future of travel. Uh, is, it, is it going to be more digital? Is that actually going to uh, work out practically um, in, in the long run? Uh, we're looking at emerging technologies and greener technologies uh, for the new generation of, of aircraft. We're looking primarily as well at climate change issues. These are going to be really top of the mind for um, airline executives because they've come heavily under pressure um, by politicians and environmentalists to, to really curb uh, the carbon emissions, to, to curb um, uh, the kind of massive growth that could be expected after the pandemic uh, is contained, as well as we're looking at uh, will there be, as, as the industry tries to recover from, from the crisis, will there be a better representation of diversity and inclusion, you know, specifically in terms of um, more women in senior roles? Uh, and finally, I'm really interested in how the industry is going to tackle um, and take care of the mental well-being of its industry workers uh, as they come back into the after so many um, months of, you know, either being furloughed or losing their jobs. What is it like to go back uh, into, you know, basically stressful jobs after a very difficult period? Um, Dina, I, I, that's fascinating because, I mean, it strikes me that this in-person convention that's going to happen in Boston it might be about the human side of, of the aviation industry that might be front and center and um, whether you're talking about climate change or diversity or mental health while in previous years it's been a bit more sort of hard-nosed concord-nosed if you like where it's <laughs> been about profit and margins and who has what route and do you remember there was a time when you know, airlines from this region and airlines in the U.S. were effectively at war. Um, and, you, you know, the aviation industry was about lots of things, but it felt it didn't always feel like it was about people. But now to hear you say it as, you know, the Nationals Aviation Correspondent, it sounds like when you get to Boston, um, you, might, you might find an industry a lot more reorganized around people. Absolutely. That's a really excellent uh, observation, Mustafa. I think that um, in the past IATA uh, meetings that I've attended in the last few years, um, you're right, it has been about reporting, you know, breakneck speed, uh, profit. The industry had been profitable for two consecutive decades in a row. It was really booming. It was a celebration of that growth of the, of the numbers, the passenger traffic, um, of the record profits. Um, and it was sort of, uh, you know, all about jet demand, getting more routes. 
Um, I think now with what has happened during the pandemic, people are, you're right, more centered about um, the human aspect of the industry. And this is really important um, in underscoring the type of recovery that they would like to see planned out, that it has to be centered um, around people. And not just, again, you know, seeing the importance uh, of connecting friends, families, and loved ones, of, of um, getting economies revived again, um, but it's also about, you know, um, the workers in, in, in the industry and everything that they've been through. It's about looking at, you know, the nature of, for example, leisure travel, the nature of business travel, um, the importance of preserving uh, workers' jobs, the importance of preserving salaries and payments, the importance of being able to to connect people from from around the world in in a safe way. It really is centered uh, more around people and it is about how do you build back better um, and greener and in a more humane way, because people are now, you know, after the pandemic, thinking more and more about issues of, you know, climate change, about diversity, about what's the, the most responsible way to travel. I want to pick up on that green thread there. Aviation, of course, is among the hard to abate sectors alongside, uh, let's say, shipping and steel. It's facing massive challenges in terms of its sustainability targets. And it seems like airlines fuel producers, you know, the big corporates are fighting tooth and nail to just bring down, you know, gram by gram, the carbon efficiency of of every single passenger plane. Can you talk a little bit about efforts on that front and where we are at with sustainable fuels and what sort of conversations might be had next week on that front? I mean, IATA has always been adamant in saying that uh, even long before the crisis, they've set themselves uh, goals to reduce um, 2019 levels of carbon emissions um, by 2030, by half. And they've set themselves uh, these goals and standards to abide by. And that initially means using things like um, more sustainable uh, aviation fuels. Uh, And in fact, they are pushing other uh, segments of the economy and other segments of other industries to really help them do that. They say it's not just an effort that uh, the aviation industry can do by itself. You need, you know, the oil majors, the big oil companies to produce sustainable aviation fuels in big enough volumes and high enough production uh, that it becomes commercially viable for the airlines to buy them. And then you also need the governments to step in um, to to make the infrastructure available uh, to use these kind of uh, new fuels. So that's the first step. And then they argue the second step further down the line when the technology starts to catch up is, you know, increasingly more fuel efficient uh, aircraft that in future, you know, would, would be more electric or would be relying on um, on hydrogen power. Um, so the, the, the conversations is really uh, about how to work better together um, on that front to, to really reduce uh, those emissions. Um, and, and, you know, the pressure will will only increase. When uh, the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, went to London recently, uh, there was announcements around hydrogen production, um, but which obviously is one of those sustainable fuels or one of those innovations that the aviation industry is looking at, including Airbus and other manufacturers. But uh, there was also this interesting announcement that the UA and the UK would uh, create decarbonized air corridors between between the country. And of course, it's a very busy route um, handled by Emirates, Etihad, the other airlines here, British Airways as well. 
Um, and, and, and from what I could tell, it's quite a new concept. Um, and the idea is being that they, they, I guess, put legislation in or policy or, or infrastructure, as you said, to make sure that the, the planes flying that route um, have as, as, as little carbon uh, emissions as possible. Um, but I'd be interested to know um, when, when you're in Boston, if you do hear any more about decarbonized air corridors, because that could be the next thing, right, where on a government to government level, um, they say, you know, we intend, we intend to do this. But uh, moving on from sustainability, if you don't mind, Dina, um, I, I, and, and earlier I, I complained about hard-nosedness, um, but I'm going to be a bit hard-nosed now because IATA's outlook for recovery um, is, is somewhat conservative. So, you know, 2021, we'll be lucky if we're just under half of what 2019 was for uh, passenger demand, traffic. Um, and, and they're talking about, depending on which region, you know, we're not looking at 2019 levels until maybe 2024, 2023, something like that. But then we look at the example here of Emirates Airline, which is um, on a hiring spree and is putting the A380 Super Jumbo back on many routes. Now, Emirates was affected as any other airline, but perhaps always in the back of their minds, or not the back of their minds, they said it quite openly, we don't want to cut back to the point that when the recovery is there, we're not able to jump on it. So I guess my question is, and maybe it'll become more apparent in Boston, the answer, is IATA's outlook very conservative? Is, is Emirates preparing for something more medium term? Can they both kind of inhabit the same space or is one of them wrong? I think that IATA's uh, forecast is based on the fact that there's still many variables and still many uncertainties that they cannot really factor in. And that's why they, they uh, tend to go maybe towards a more conservative side, as you say. The amount of surprises we've seen um, and the amount of shocks that the industry has, has gone through, perhaps that contributes to this conservative estimate, uh, whether it was in terms of you know, the various uh, variants, whether it was in terms of the different pace of recovery that was seen in different regions around the world. And it's, it's not all uh, uniform. So, for example, IATA is saying that, in fact, domestic travel uh, will recover much quicker, for example, than uh, longer trips. People are more comfortable uh, traveling either within their countries or taking shorter uh, trips than something that's more long haul. And that, for example, traveling for, for holidays or seeing loved ones and family, that would recover potentially faster than, than, than business uh, now that we've all been acclimatized to, to Zoom calls. So it's, it's definitely, I think their point is that it's not uniform across the board. And so with Emirates announcing um, earlier this week that they're going to be adding um, or restoring more routes uh, that will be served with their A380 double-decker, that is a major indicative sign that there's confidence uh, in the recovery of air travel, that there's that rebound they're seeing. Um, but keep in mind that it's all relative. So by the end of the year, uh, Emirates hopes to bring back about 50 of its A380s. And that's out of a total A380 fleet of 118 aircraft. So yes, there is some recovery, but it's it's not a complete and total rebound at this point. It's it's a little bit too premature, um, perhaps for the for the industry to 
to say that things are returning to, to normal. It is a gradual uh, and uneven uh, paced recovery across across the world. Okay, but for a non-aviation buff who is looking at the industry and seeing the A380 headlines in recent weeks, what is the significance of Emirates being the largest holder of this super jumbo jet and its relationship to Airbus? Can you just put that in plain English? Well, yeah, maybe to lay out the landscape of the importance between the two. Um, I mean, Emirates has always been a champion of the Airbus A380 um, aircraft. It's always believed that the economics of this aircraft can work for it. And it is therefore one of, it is the biggest operator of the A380s and it is the biggest customer um, of this aircraft. In fact, the A380 program is now coming to an end after uh, Emirates takes the last of those aircraft, um, takes delivery of, of that into its fleet. Um, so the significance really is that Emirates, because of its location in, in Dubai and the kind of um, position that the hub is in, uh, was able to make the economics of the aircraft work, which means it was able to load on, you know, more than 600 people that can fit into the plane and jet them around different parts of the world, you know, transatlantic flights and what have you, using Dubai as a hub. Because of its massive network, because of its massive reach, because of the um, transit location of Dubai, it was able to make that work. Whereas other airlines have not been anywhere near as successful as making that happen. Um, So really that relationship between Airbus and Emirates over the 380 was cemented over the years. And Emirates did indeed even have a very um, strong part to play. And the design and the development of that aircraft, uh, you know, with very detailed notes for um, from Sir Tim Clark uh, to Airbus uh, on its development. So it's it's uh, really the end of the e- an era in terms of that program coming to an end. But of course, uh, Emirates is, is going to continue having those aircraft into uh, working on its fleet uh, well until 2030s. Dina Kamel, thank you so much. Best of luck in Boston. And we want to hear all about it when you're back. Absolutely. Thank you. I will report back and tell you all about it. That's it for today. All that remains to thank you, Kelsey. Thank you. Our production team, Arthur Edison and Aisha Khan, and you all for listening. Join us again next time.